Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with HowStuffWorks and iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. And it's a Friday, which means it's time for another classic episode. The episode you're about to hear originally aired way back on February 12th, 2012, and it's titled Tech Stuff Overclocks a CPU. Now, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. CPUs have certainly advanced since 2012, but the general principles behind overclocking remain the same. So I hope you enjoy this discussion that Chris and I have about what overclocking is and how it is accomplished. And take it away, old version of me and old version of Chris Paulette. Today, to start off our episode, we have a little Facebook feedback. Yippee! This comes from Brian, who says, I've been listening to you guys since almost the beginning. Keep up the great work. I was wondering if you could do a podcast about overclocking. You could talk about what it is, how it works, and the pros and cons of it. I've had some experience myself and can tell you it's well worth it. Can't wait to listen to your next podcast. Well, Brian... This one goes out to you. <laughs> now, we've talked a little bit about overclocking in past episodes, particularly anything where we talked about CPUs and clock cycles. But mm-hmm. uh, but let's let's kind of go back and, and talk about what a clock cycle is and why it's important and what overclocking actually means. Yes. Now, this is something we talk about um, a long time ago. A long, long time ago, we talked about the, uh, the megahertz myth. And you know the gigahertz myth, yeah, um, about the the speed of the processor and and what it means and how it's really not necessarily all that important. In fact, it, it's kind of funny looking at computers now, um, because now that the dual core and quad core processors and and well, well let's just say multi core processors, yeah. um, some of them look like they're going backward, right? Because you'll see a you know a, a two gigahertz processor and you go, wait a minute, the one I have now is a three point two, yeah, it's a three point two gigahertz. Well. Yeah, because it's got multiple cores processing, it's able to do this. But the clock speed is is basically the rate at which a processor is handling instructions. Oh, very good. Yes. Um, I actually saw a pretty interesting analogy uh, on a Yale website. This was written by H. Gilbert. And uh, Gilbert said that, think of it like a high school. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're in class, and then the bell rings, and that signals the end of class, so you leave. All right, see you later. And a second bell rings, and uh, you have to go to your next class. So those two bells, he says, think of that as a clock cycle. The first bell's a tick, and the second bell's a talk. Mm -hmm. And the entire school reacts to those bells. It's not like one class gets a bell, and then three minutes later, another class gets a bell. It goes across the entire school. So... uh, Think of a, a clock cycle on a, on a CPU as the same sort of thing, except instead of students, we're talking about data. Right. So, so ones and zeros. Okay. So ones and zeros, and, and that at every clock cycle, ones and zeros are moving around. And uh, essentially, every task you want a computer to do requires a certain number of cycles. Uh, some tasks only require one cycle. And some will require multiple cycles because the task actually has more steps than what you might first imagine. And this changes over time, I should add. Uh, back, you know, several years ago, many years ago, a couple decades now, adding two numbers together might take six or eight clock cycles to complete. 
Uh, and today, it might take one clock cycle, so it's become more efficient. Uh, so that's one way that CPUs have sped up over time. But another is that we've actually managed to fit more clock cycles in per second, and that's the speed we talk about with processors. Mm-hmm. It's how many uh, clock cycles or pulses, if you prefer, go through the the that particular element on your computer every second. So if you hear about a here's a dinosaur. Let's say you hear about a 500 megahertz processor. Mm -hmm. That means 500 million clock cycles per second uh, go through that that CPU. All things considered, that's that's pretty fast. Right, but you know, then we talk about things like a 2.4 gigahertz processor. That's 2.4 billion clock cycles per second. Much faster. Which is even, yeah, much faster. And they, they get faster than that, obviously. But that's uh, so so when we're talking about processor speed we're really talking about the uh, amount of work a processor can do within a certain amount of time and faster processors can do more work in that in that time frame so the 500 megahertz processor can do 500 million uh, can uh, not 500 million tasks but can use 500 million clock cycles toward tasks in a second, whereas the 2.4 gigahertz does 2.4 billion clock cycles toward tasks in a second. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's essentially the speed element. Now, uh, CPUs are not the only thing that work on cycles, by the way. Just want to make that clear. Um, when we do talk about clock cycles, uh, other elements like memory and I.O. devices also operate on cycles, and all of this is controlled ultimately by the motherboard. Yes. Now, if you're wondering how a, you know, how they come out with these chips, um, well, it's it's <laughs> it's sort of controlled. Um, if you think about it, let's say let's take uh, Jonathan's 500 megahertz processor. Yeah. Um, the manufacturer has, you know, knows something about the range at which this chip can operate. Yes. Um, it can operate slow, more slowly than that. It can operate more quickly than that. But what goes on is, in the process of building this and testing this chip, they know roughly about how much electricity it's going to use and about how hot it's going to get. Yeah. Um, many, many of us uh, have an idea of what happens when your computer overheats. Um, it will seize up eventually. Yeah. Um, and it can and decrease the operating life of the computer overall, too, if, yeah. it, if it gets too hot too frequently. Yeah. So the the, the thing is, the pro- the manufacturer of the processor is going to go, well, okay, this is this is a good range. This is about what it's going to do. And it, yeah, and it's essentially, the optimum. Yeah, and essentially it, it'll run as, as fast as this without going nuts and requiring you know, a, a uh, to be immersed in liquid nitrogen to keep it cold. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll get to that. Yeah, right, right. So this is under normal operating conditions. This is about how fast this chip is going to run. Let's say it's 500 megahertz, and and there are instructions um, in the computer, uh, actually written into ROM that will keep it from doing more than that. Yeah, uh, essentially, you've got two elements that determine the speed. Mm-hmm. You have the motherboard, which provides a uh, baseline speed, and those tend to be around uh, 100, 133, 166, or 200 megahertz. Mm-hmm. And then you have a multiplier on the CPU itself. Right. So for the 500 megahertz machine we were talking about, the multiplier might be 5, and the motherboard provides 100 megahertz. So the clock inside the CPU is going to run at five times the speed of the clock on the motherboard. Mm-hmm. 
So the motherboard sets the pace, the CPU multiplies that pace, and that's where you get your processor clock speed. So the 5 multiplier times the 100 megahertz, that's where you get your 500 megahertz. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, if you had a, a multiplier that was, say, 24 times 100, well, that's where you get the 2.4 gigahertz mm-hmm. because 24, you get the 2,400 uh, and then uh, that 2,400 megahertz is the same as 2.4 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. Um, so the multipliers tend to be difficult to change with most processors, not all, but a lot of processors, have, uh, the manufacturers have locked down that multiplier in order to prevent people from pushing it too hard and causing problems down the line. Yeah, because ultimately, um, the majority of us are going to buy our computers, we're going to set it up, do our work on it, play games on it, do whatever it is that we're going to do on it, and the the point is, we want it to last. Uh, most of us can't just go buy a new computer, and if we don't know what we're doing as far as overclocking, um, you know, we're just going to, we want this machine to last us a good long time, and yeah. if you use it under normal circumstances, unless the fan breaks or some, uh, the uh, cooling mechanism breaks... Uh, even in computers with no fans, let's say, uh, you know, one of the older iMacs that they made a point of putting no fan in, uh, if you clog up the air vents with something, dust, uh, a blanket, it will overheat and yeah. the computer will die or it will shorten the life of it. Yeah. Um, it will so, be unsteady and it will crash a lot, that yeah. kind of thing. So the, so the point of the manufacturer setting a, a clock speed, uh, a default clock speed, is is basically to... Make it a, a motherboard, a chip on a motherboard that's going to last the average computer user a good long while. Yeah, uh, I, years hopefully. I'd say that's the that's the point. I'd say that's true in the majority of cases. There are a few cases where uh, manufacturers have developed one chip to go in a line of computers, sure, and have put in essentially a a, a an artificial limit to how fast that processor can go per uh-huh. model. Mm-hmm. So let's say that I've got a, a selection of computers, um, and we're going to say, we're going to call a model A, B, C, and D. Okay. And all four of these have the same processor in them. But I've put limitations on it so that model A can only go at 500 megahertz. And model B is a gigahertz. And, and uh, model C is 2 gigahertz. And model D is like 2.4 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. And 2.4 is really where the sweet spot is. But I've put in these artificial limitations on the previous ones. The reason for that would be I only have to manufacture one chip and I can create devices for multiple markets. Mm-hmm. Because there's some people are going to be out there who are saying, I need a computer, but I don't need it to do the the latest stuff. Yeah. Or I can't afford to buy a computer that has like the top-level technology in it. Uh, but I'm going to go and get this base model instead. And then there are going to be the uh, people on the o- other side of it saying, I want the fastest machine I can possibly get. So they're going to go for the other one. Well, they can create a whole range of computers meeting all of these demands mm-hmm. using the same chip if they put those limitations in place. And in some cases, you can't really get around the multiplier limitation without some really deep knowledge and uh, risking ruining your computer. However, what you can do is change the rate on the motherboard itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you do that through the BIOS system. Mm-hmm. Now, before we, before we get into technical detail, um, overclocking is the process that we're talking about now. This means that you're increasing uh, the limit at which the chip 
can process instructions. Yeah, it's essentially pushing more clock cycles in per second than what the chip was uh, recommended for. Right, right. And we should say it really is a recommendation because, uh, like Chris was saying, most of these chips, I mean, almost all chips that come out have the capacity to operate over what they are rated for. Mm-hmm. So a 2.4 gigahertz processor can actually work faster than that. In fact, usually it's around 5 to 10% faster than what the rating is for. Mm-hmm. So if you are still 5 to 10% faster without running the risk of causing damage to your computer. Right. So you might be able to boost your computer's performance by, uh, or at least the, the processing speed, by 5 or 10% without having to worry about additional concerns. Mm-hmm. Once you go beyond that, then you have to start looking into creative ways of managing your computer so that it doesn't you know, just crash on you. Mm-hmm. And even if you do just overclock your computer a little bit, there is a chance that stuff will crash because sometimes programs just don't work very well with overclocked processors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the basis, though. Overclocking means that you're pushing through more clock cycles per second. Mm-hmm. And... Uh before we again before we get into too much detail this is not the kind of thing that you want to do casually and figure oh you know what uh, let's just go and try this you want to think about how what happens if it doesn't work because um if you don't follow the instructions carefully um and we're not going to give you a lot of instructions yeah, on this it, there's it a can lot of depend upon what the processor is so yeah yeah um but the thing is if you're not very careful you could damage your computer permanently and, and most of the time if you try to overclock your processor you're violating a warranty oh yeah so if you if you do damage your computer you don't have any recourse to get it fixed by the manufacturer because they're going to say hey you did this thing you weren't supposed to do therefore we have no obligation to help you out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. haha <laughs> so uh, so if you do this, make sure you, you put some thought into it and make sure this is something you feel up to and that you're you're willing to try before you really give it a shot. If you want to, uh, it, it could be very, very profitable for you if you're looking for a faster machine and, and you have the uh, uh, the ability and the you know the money if you need it. Uh, but we can get into that now. Right, the- right. And the reason why you would want to overclock your machine in the first place is that it allows you to run more advanced uh, programs mm-hmm. at a faster rate without having to buy a new processor or a new machine. Right. That's, that's the big attraction for a lot of gamers out there. They'll they'll buy a good gaming rig, and then they overclock their processor so that they can run games at, at the highest settings without any slowdown and to have you know the, the best performance in their game, uh, and also it means that you know they they're essentially getting higher like uh, they're getting the equivalent of a faster processor, but they're buying a less expensive one, mm-hmm. right? So if there were say a two point eight processor out there and a three point two processor out there, and you knew you could overclock your two point eight so that it would equal or exceed the three point two. You say, well, why would I spend the extra money getting the three point two when I could get the two point eight and just, you know, mm-hmm. overclock that puppy? And of course, there's the the maker's reason, because they can. Yeah. So um, yes, yes. There's always that too. It's just like, hey, I I have the ability to fiddle with yep. my computer settings. Gosh darn it, that's what I'm gonna do. Chris and I have more to say about overclocking a CPU, but first, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. So you were talking a moment ago about the BIOS, yes. the Basic Input Output System. Yes. Now, this is a part of uh, 
when you boot up your computer, it goes through the BIOS setup. Mm -hmm. And part of that BIOS setup is the motherboard checks the processor, sees what kind of processor it is and what the recommended settings are, and then goes into that recommended setting for the speed that the motherboard provides is later on multiplied by the processor. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing is, you can actually interrupt the BIOS setup system and manually change those settings. Mm -hmm. So let's say that it was set at 100 megahertz, you could up it up to 133 or 166 or 200. Although, you know, the, the more you boost this, the the closer you ride that dangerous edge of possibly ruining your machine. Right. The uh, It's like, like getting in a car and pushing it faster than it was meant to go. It can start to shake apart. Yeah. Most of the instructions uh, I read in, in the process of doing research for this podcast suggested that you would tinker with the multiplier. And basically, rather than going, hmm, how high can I push this up? Let's turn it all the way up. What they suggest doing is taking it up a couple notches essentially um, again read the instructions carefully for for the the uh, system that you have and the, yeah. and the, the materials that you've got on hand but I, I'm oversimplifying for the case of uh, explanation uh, you might crank it up a notch or two notches and test it see how it runs does it look like it's doing all right does it look like it's behaving oddly if are it your is applications all crashing are then they, yeah. you might need to crank it back down again yeah and and like I said not all multipliers are you can't mess with all multipliers. It all depends on the processor. Some of the processors are locked so that you can't do that, in which case your only recourse is to change the setting of the motherboard as opposed to the setting on the processor. And also, some motherboards, you cannot do this through a software approach. Mm -hmm. You actually have to use a physical approach. You have to change these components that are called jumpers, Mm -hmm. which that will... Um, will limit the the motherboard speed. You have to you would have to physically replace those, which requires uh, opening up your computer case and taking stuff out and changing stuff out. And that that can get a little intimidating for folks. It's a, a, a little bit simpler when you just hit a couple of buttons and then change some numbers on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that might be uh, necessary depending on the motherboard. A lot of the stuff about personal computers depends heavily on the specific hardware you have, mm-hmm. uh, which is why if you ever think about building a machine, you should really do some research and make sure that you know what components you're getting before you, you jump into it because uh, not every processor is compatible with every motherboard. So if you were to just try and create your own computer, build your own computer, and you just you know, you're buying whatever was on sale, you might discover that, oh, uh, I got this great motherboard and this great processor, but they aren't compatible with each other, so I can't actually build a machine out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, same sort of thing with overclocking. You just, uh, you know, there are different limitations based upon the actual hardware you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, it might involve, uh, depending on what you're doing, you might have to uh, play around with the amount of voltage. Yep. Uh, Which necessary that's to run dangerous the, too. Yeah. Well, I, hopefully the, our, our listeners, when we start talking about uh, the amount of electricity we're getting into, yeah, um, or any any measure of electricity, they start going, oh, maybe I don't want to do this without you know really doing some research. Um, I would very much recommend doing that if you are going to do uh, getting into really messing with this. Um, but yeah, there it, it is worth noting though that uh, uh, certain boards are, uh, you know, certain processors, I should say, come with uh, 
the the uh, ability to overclock sort of uh, sanctioned. Yeah, they're built in. Intel has several chips that you can uh, go into a specific screen and change the settings mm-hmm. if you want to overclock your processor. Uh, like the extreme edition. Yeah, so that way you, know, you can do like the turbo stuff or you can actually knock up the processor speed. Uh, you can change the multiplier a little bit, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, again, this is, you might ask, well, why isn't it like that just out of the box? Well, for one thing, not everyone needs that kind of uh, performance. And for another, uh, here's the thing about processors. We've talked about heat a bit and about generating heat and too much heat can be a bad thing. When you have electricity yeah. running through a circuit, it generates heat as a byproduct. Yeah. Some energy is lost due it, to heat. Yeah, it wastes, it wastes some of its energy as heat. Yeah, so the more electricity you're pushing through, the more the more uh, uh, work you're making your system do, the more heat it's going to generate. Mm-hmm. And before long, that heat might get to a point that's causing damage or, or causing malfunctions within the machine itself. So you have to figure out a way of dispersing that heat mm-hmm. um, to handle that so, or, or else your device isn't going to work for very long. You might have the world's fastest computer, but only for a few minutes before it just says, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, of course, uh, there have been computers with no fans. There have been computers with multiple fans. It all sort of depends on, on the guts, on the you know the stuff that's inside the box. Yeah. Um, and if you go to different overclocking communities, you can learn about the the parts and bits that people uh, seem to feel are the best. Now, I saw a couple of fans listed as being excellent for overclockers because they're reliable and they push a lot of air. Yeah. Um, but depending on what you're doing, that may not be enough. Yeah, you might have to go to say a water cooling system, which mm-hmm. uh, you know, water is a much more efficient dispersal of heat than uh, than air is. Mm-hmm. It's much dispersal. I'm making up words now, uh, or misusing them at any rate. So anyway, water is much better at taking care of uh, heat than than air is, and so a a water-based cooling system can be uh, very useful for people who are overclocking their their machines and they want to really push it to the limit. Yeah, Um, I was joking about the the liquid nitrogen earlier, but there are people who have some very elaborate liquid-cooled uh, computer systems, and depending on how much you're you're pushing, especially if you have something like the uh, again like the Intel chips or the AMD's uh, Black Edition chips, where you can you've got the opportunity to really tinker with it, um, you might do that. Yeah, also, there, there are know, actually in overclocking uh, competitions, liquid nitrogen has been used to cool uh, CPUs. Yeah, I'm just. It's not the kind of thing that the general public no because goes you're not going to have you're not going to have a steady supply of liquid nitrogen to run through your machine constantly so that you can uh, you can keep it going. Yeah. But in, honey, in, honey, have you seen my liquid nitrogen? In, it's under the stairs. In, why oh. do you need to know? The uh, uh, where is my super suit? The uh, yeah, but if you if you. If you don't have a safe supply of liquid nitrogen, then you know water cooling or some other method is probably uh, the best for you. But uh, during these competitions, mm-hmm. uh, the the purpose of the competitions isn't to build the the fastest computer. It's to to try and push the limits of overclocking as far as you can go. Right. It's not that you're going to have a practical machine after you're done. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just this is an example of. of a, a per, an artist, if you will, an engineer, really knowing the limitations and how to play with them and how to push things uh, to a super speed. Yeah. So at, at CES 
2011, uh, there was an overclocking competition where uh, they had several different phases, and they were overclocking things, not just CPUs, but also uh, graphics processing cards, because you can do this with various components, not just CPUs. It's just that's what we tend to think about when we talk about overclocking. But in this competition, they took an i7-980X Intel chip, which mm-hmm. normally runs at 3.33 gigahertz, with a turbo speed capable of 3.6 gigahertz. That's pretty darn fast. Mm-hmm. They overclocked it to 5.935 gigahertz, so nearly 6 gigahertz of, of clock speed, um, and that was using some pretty phenomenal cooling mechanisms, uh, not something that the average consumer is going to have at his or her uh, fingertips, mm-hmm. not the average consumer. Maybe right. maybe if your last name is Doofenshmirtz, <laughs> you might have some. But. Well, um, yeah, but that's all, all coming from the uh, alimony. Um, yes. so. It's my coordinator. <laughs> Hi there, guys. It's Jonathan from the future. I'm just uh, going to have us take another quick break to thank our sponsor. When you overclock your processor, it does require that you tweak some other settings on your computer, including the the RAM. Yeah. Um, so keep in mind that this is not a, a uh, if you're just sort of I, thinking of tinkering with it just for the fun of it, um, keep in mind that once you start messing with one part of it, you might have to tune some other factors relating to your uh, your computer's operation. So right. um, make sure you do a bit of reading about uh, the processor you're using um, and the other equipment, the RAM, the type of RAM. Um, you might even check out your GPU. If you're feeling bold, you might even try to overclock your GPU. Again, this will also uh, increase the amount of heat. Um, so you this might be a good time to uh, move your computer to uh, Svalbard right. in Norway. Yeah. Where it is, uh, where I'm told it's rather chilly. Nice. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the, the people at the seed vault would be going, no, move it down there. You're making the seeds warm up. Yeah, yeah. But, so, um, yeah, there's that's... quite a bit of, there's quite a bit of tinkering that could be involved with this. It, you know, it's not just a, oh, well, I'm just going to turn this one up to 11 and we're good. Yeah, there are a lot of resources out on the, the net that will help you out if you want to try this. And, uh, really, <laughs> the nice thing is there's so many that are out there that, You've got a good chance if you just plug in whatever processor you have mm-hmm. and the word overclocking into a decent search engine, you'll probably get some returns from people who have gone through this process and they mm-hmm. can tell you what worked for them or what you know what things to avoid. Um, and like I said, there are a lot of communities out there on the net that have uh, dis- full discussions, like full message boards just dedicated to overclocking and the different techniques that they used. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of these might be a little technical and might require a little bit of backtracking so that you can really understand the, uh, the, the, the subtle, the subtleties of what it is mm-hmm. they're saying. But, um, but it, it's totally doable. Yeah. I mean, in most cases, it's doable without you ever having to crack open your computer, which is mm-hmm. the best part. You're right. You know, cause you, Every time you have to open your computer and take stuff out, that eliminates a significant percentage of the people who would have tried it otherwise just because it's either too much of a hassle or they find it too intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, two things, though, to, to make sure. Uh, one, that you don't make assumptions on similarities 
Uh, yes. That was one thing that, that I read, that if your computer, if you're reading a, uh, information on a forum about overclocking, you're getting ready, you're, you're, you've gotten the bug, you're seriously thinking about this now, and that you're reading a, a post by someone who's done it, who's, who's got a chip that's a little, that's just a little different than yours, don't go by that information. They said that, um, from, from what I have read from people who've written instructions on, so you want to overclock your computer. Right. Well, here's what you should do. That was one of the things that I read several times was, if you've got something that's very similar to what you've got, to the instructions from, don't, don't go by strict similarities. Make sure that you are going by someone who knows uh, instructions based on the uh, specific stuff that you're using. Yeah. Because similarities aren't good enough when you're messing with this. You could seriously damage your computer. Yeah. And uh, that's the other part. Make sure that you're really willing to give this a try knowing that you might really muck things up for the insides of your, your machine. Yeah, if you're careful, you probably don't really need to worry so much, but no. it's good to have in the back of your mind because otherwise, you know, if you you know, if you do the typical what we like to think of as the typical American thing where more equals better, right. you might be, let's crank it up to 11, and the next thing you know, your machine doesn't do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not doing anything faster than any machine you've ever had. <laughs> My computer does nothing at the speed of light. <laughs> it works great as a doorstop. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sure that there will be somebody out there who's listen, listening to this podcast who has had experience overclocking, and they're going to write in and say, no, Jonathan and Chris, it's easy to overclock. Maybe for some people. but And uh, for some systems. And for some systems. But, uh, um, yeah, you can't... You can't you can't apply that universally across everybody. No, and, uh, and, and it's, it is possible that if you're not careful, you could damage your computer. Right. And if you don't have a need for overclocking, if you're not playing lots of, of, uh, of high uh, like resource-demanding games mm-hmm. or, or other applications that just require a lot of processing power, um, I mean, it, it could be a fun experiment if it's something that you just want to try and get your hand in, and especially if you have like an old machine lying around that you yeah. don't really care about, and you just want to have the experience of overclocking something. That's fine, but if you don't really have a need for it at all, I really don't see any reason to do it. Because uh, ultimately, if you are overclocking your machine to really push its limits, that is, it is not just a time investment, but it is a money investment too, mm-hmm. because you will have to find some way to address that heat problem. Yeah. And that concludes this classic episode of Tech Stuff. I hope you guys got to learn a little bit about clock cycles and overclocking. And like I said, things change. CPUs and GPUs are much different. I mean, they work on the same general principle, but they're much more powerful than they were in 2012. And thank goodness, because otherwise I would never be able to play PUBG at all. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this classic episode. If you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, send me a message. The email is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Drop over to techstuffpodcast.com. That's our website where we have other ways to contact us plus information about the show. There's also a link to our store over at tpublic.com slash techstuff. Every purchase you make goes to help the show and we greatly appreciate it. And I'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 